0: Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. Got a fun one today. Wally Farriston is my guest. Cue card guy from Saturday Night Live, Seth Meyers. We'll get to Wally in a minute. I'm very excited that he's here. Before that, though, I wanted to uh, give you all an update. If you read my newsletter, I'm sure you already know this, or if you follow me on social media, you've probably heard. But uh, my family and I are at the tail end, hopefully, fingers crossed, of a COVID battle it's been a bit like a cold for most of us. Honestly, if we didn't have tests, we'd probably think it was a cold. So far, there haven't been fevers, no loss of taste or smell or any of the kind of typical COVID symptoms. We feel fortunate that it's been mild. And we've been careful. I mean, if you've been listening to the show, you know, like I spent 2020 and 2021 homeschooling my kids. And we've still been trying to be really safe, just wearing our masks when we're out in public and uh, limiting social gatherings and things like that. We're all vaccinated, but it's out there. It's contagious. It's spreading. So I hope you all are still safe and I hope you still take precautions. You know, it's kind of crazy that the uh, mask mandate on airplanes and buses and subways and everything is no longer with us. We'll see how that plays out. I'm actually supposed to be traveling next week for work. I talked to my doctor. He signed off on me traveling. But yeah, it's going to be weird being on an airplane first time in two and a half years. And to be there without uh, anyone taking any precautions will be interesting. <laughs> so I don't know what we're in for. But uh, for now, we're in recovery mode. Thank you for those of you who have reached out and offered you all wishes. And I'm sure that we will be back to normal very soon here. As I mentioned at the top, Wally Farriston is my guest today. Wally has been the cue card operator, the lead cue card guy for the last 30 years on Saturday Night Live. He also works with Late Night with Seth Meyers. His team works on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And he's had some cameos on all those shows over the years, but his star has been rising lately as he's started to uh, appear in more and more of Late Night with Seth Meyers, especially in the Closer Look segments. You'll hear Wally talk about kind of the strangeness of that and how that all came to be here in this interview. But uh, yeah, it's another one of those interesting COVID stories, I guess. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, Wally has been there for all of the history of these amazing shows, some of the most iconic cast members, musical performances, guest hosts, you name it. He's been right there holding the cards. But the reason I was interested in talking to him was less the showbiz stories and honestly more about his craft As you may know, I produced the PBS show Ask This Old House for many, many years, and Jimmy Fallon was a fan of that show. We used to get invited first on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and then later on The Tonight Show, and I actually produced all those appearances on our side uh, when our team would go down there. And I started collecting the cue cards from our appearances. So I had them on my office wall for years when I worked at This Old House. When I left This Old House, they came with me. They're here in my uh, office at home now. They're very cool. And they were just something that I've always been fascinated by. I would sit and look at them anytime I needed to let my mind wander at work. If I was trying to solve a creative problem or come up with an interesting line in a script, I'd just look up at those cue cards. And something about the way they were written just, I don't know, they put me at ease. And they're a cool throwback, too, to like old-school Hollywood and just old-school show business. It's cool that this technology has been unchanged for like 70 or 80 years. And for 30 of that, Wally's been there. So Wally has his own company. He's actually a contractor for NBC. He doesn't work directly for the shows. So when he talks about his company and sort of what happened during COVID, it's actually his small business with a small team of cue card employees that he's talking about there. But you'll also hear him talk about another side business here, cue cards by Wally. If you're interested in having a personalized cue card, they're just, they're the coolest thing. Like Like I said, I've got them on my wall. I love them. If you want one as a birthday present or an anniversary gift or whatever, Go to cue cards by Wally and uh, Wally will write you a personalized cue card. I'll send you a photo of him holding it. I think it's a whole system. Go check it out. He's got more information there. So anyways, I was really excited to talk to Wally. Some amazing show business stories. Here it is. My conversation with Wally Ferriston. Let's start with kind of the big picture question of just what these last two years have been like for you.
1: Uh, you know, for someone whose job is completely in a TV studio, I, I had no option for working basically. Oh, wow. I was shut down and my wife, uh, is in the corporate world. So she was working from home. She made a transition, no problem working from home. And, um, my company was basically shut down. I, you know, you know, having done it for so long, we weren't like, like, oh crap, what are we going to do about money kind of thing. Yeah. Um, some of the, some of the shows did pay us Seth Meyers late night, Paid me and all my guys for the entire time we were out for COVID. Oh wow, that's amazing! Uh, um, and it was it was some of it was the show's money, and then when that ran out, Seth paid everybody out out of his dock di- on his dime. Wow, yeah. So that was pretty that was pretty cool. So there was money coming in. I was like I said, I was not so much concerned for myself, but my employees. So they were paid for uh, the entire time that we weren't doing shows, and then even when they started doing shows from Seth started doing shows from home we were continue to be paid uh, as well. So that was me. So that was going. I got, you know, I got a couple of the loans from the um, government to uh, pay my employees. And, you know, we, we, they thought we, you know, we did the best we could, but I was not working. I was sitting, sitting, and I was like, I had just gone, I had just lost like 50 pounds before COVID hit. Yeah. And I was in a really good place. And so COVID, COVID hits, were not working, and I'm like, this is great. I'm going to work out now twice as much, and I'm going to lose even more weight. This is going to be great. <laughs> and as you probably know, what would happen with most people, the exact opposite happened <laughs> Because I was stuck inside all day, and even if I did work out, I was just sitting on a couch watching TV or sleeping or napping, and right. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So I started getting some weight back, and I tried to grow a mustache, um, which my wife had never seen me in.
0: <laughs> what was her take on that?
1: After three weeks of begging me to shave it, Um, because she hated it and I was like let me have something I've got nothing you're working I've got nothing let me let me grow my mustache
0: let me try this out and see yeah
1: one night where she was just so frustrated she started crying over it and I was like okay okay I (laughs) 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 I gotta shave it why do you guys get divorced (laughs) I grew a mustache (laughs) it was a really good
0: reason a really solid reason yeah yeah.
1: so so I shaved it didn't look good anyway but you know so I shaved it and um so that was so that was that but again it was. Like this happened in March, so now you know. Now it's like April, May, and I'm still not not working. And she was just like, "You need to start doing something because you're driving me crazy." Yeah, you know. And I really wasn't doing anything. Like I said, I was gaining weight and stuff like that. And I had had an idea a year ago to do cue cards, personal cue cards for people to give as gifts. Yep and i had she's in she's in business she's in marketing and she she helped me start my company and she helped her butter start a company you know his company i i don't know anything about that but she loves doing that kind of thing so i had asked her like a year ago uh before covid like in 2019 you know how, you know how about this idea you know i think it would be a good idea and she wanted nothing to do with it. she was like no, i no, you know it, you're busy i'm busy i really can't deal with it yeah but then when you know three months into covid i brought it up again one night she was just sitting next to me on the couch and, and she was just like, we got to find something for you to do. And I was like, how about that idea I brought up last year? She's like, what idea? And I was like, this personalized cue for people in like a light bulb went off overhead because she was like, now, yes, I remember. And now is the perfect time to do that because people can't go to weddings. They can't go to birthday parties. So right. she's like, this, this is a perfect thing for you to do for people to give as gifts. It's original. It's fun. You know, it's a cool thing. So she did up a business plan. I, I didn't want it to get, I didn't want to do any work. She wanted me to do all this work and research and, and like, you know, and I was just like, what well, can we do is simply and see if it would work. I uh, came up with the, with the name and uh, get a, uh, a Gmail account and a Venmo and, you know, Venmo. And I just, I did a quick little, she did a website, which we, which came in later actually. And uh, I just launched kind of on Instagram. I announced it one day on the SNL fan website, Instagram. And, um, so i started getting orders you know like right away people were like kind of flipping out over it and then the show found out about it and they said uh you need to get our permission to do this <laughs> so i was like oh i do i go i go but i'm not involving you like you're saying you you know you're you work for us now and these are cards that were used on saturday Night live and i was like all right so i had to get lauren's approval oh wow Um and nbc's approval they both had to approve it and uh And they did, you know, I think they thought, I think it was, again, the timing was pretty good. It was COVID. They knew I wasn't working and they weren't, you know, SNL wasn't paying us while we were off. So I think, I think I hit Lauren at the right time and he approved it. And then I just had to talk to the NBC lawyer and he just gave me some guidelines about, you know, not using copyrighted material and not using, you know, SNL or NBC in any way to promote it. You know, people had to know that this was just a company from me. It was not related to NBC at all. Yeah, It was going fine. I was getting orders here and there. And I was trying to, you know, we just we were just kind of like, pr- you know, promoting it on Instagram. Just, you know, and I was getting, you know, keeping me busy, like, you know, like maybe seven to ten orders, uh, you know, a week. But it was keeping me busy. It was giving me something to do.
2: Yeah.
1: And then um, someone from NBC Local News in New York uh, called me and said they wanted to do a story on it. They'd heard about it somehow. And I was like, yeah, okay. Local news shouldn't be a big deal. So I did a local news story and I got some orders from that. But that was a Monday night. And then there Monday night, and I started to get I get like a bunch of you know local orders from that on Monday night. Tuesday, my wife woke me up at like nine o'clock or ten o'clock in the morning saying, You need to get up. And I was like, Why? She's like, You have over 300 emails in your email for orders. And I was like, wow. What are you talking? What are you talking about? And what happened, unbeknownst to me, my buddy, I used to do cue cards for Carson Daly
2: uh-huh. when he
1: had his late when he had his late night show at NBC. Sure. He saw the news thing on, on the local news and basically did three 30-second advertisements for my company on the today show that morning oh wow at seven o'clock at eight o'clock and at nine o'clock and um i freaking had 300 orders (laughs) it was like going oh no this is i go i wanted to just keep myself busy i don't want to be you know so so it started getting a little out of control like i i started getting requests for to be on um access hollywood and all these people wanted to talk to me because nothing you remember nothing was going on sure you know so this was a cool story um and it was in the it was in the New York Post that week as well, uh, the week after they picked up on it, they did a story on me, and then it was and then I got another search from that. So I basically didn't do any more T V because I, I can't handle the orders. It was just me doing it basically. Yeah. So I didn't do any more TV. But it became like this thing where People were just the the, the feedback, and I and I try to you know I was trying to like let people not go these are just you know pieces of cardboard with you know with marker <laughs> with marker on them you know and I was I was trying to undersell it be going go like you know it, this isn't really that cool of a thing but people were flipping out over it. it it was the most original gift they were they were so thankful I was doing wedding invitations I was doing the proposals I was doing baby announcements it was the coolest coolest thing and it just turned into something like me trying to keep busy make a little extra money turned into this thing where. So many people were so thankful that they could give an original gift. And um it was such a cool, cool outpouring of of love and respect in for the show and for what I was doing. And um it was just a really cool thing that kept me busy, you know, and made some money too.
0: Yeah. Well that I mean that's that's the silver lining of <laughs> Just yeah. while we're all home doing nothing. That's uh that's a great project. You know, I, I'm curious, just as you're saying all that, like thinking about what it was, or what it is, I guess, about just cue cards in general, but specifically, kind of your business, like, why does that resonate with people so much? Like, there is so much kind of folklore, especially around SNL, I think, and just sort yeah. of, you know, the the shape of the cards and the way they're written, and like, when you see them, you instantly know what they are. Like, I don't know, do you ever think about just sort of your piece <laughs> and sort of the greater ecosystem of the show?
1: Yeah, I mean they've been around for so long i mean they were you know like i think it's just like a piece of the past you know even further back to when i was really like from the 50s and the 60s when the, you you know a lot of tv shows you use cue cards before teleprompter sure and then they went out and then you know Lauren michael's pretty kind of brought them back although johnny carson used cue cards on his show but when snl started and they used cue cards and it's been you know uh 47 years we're on our 47th season of doing cue cards lauren you know lauren considers cue cards as part of the show yeah you know we used to you know take a break in the normal days we would go outside after the dress rehearsal and stand outside as the people come were coming out of dress and like so many people would stop and say we were watching you guys to the cue cards as much as we were watching the actors um, perform because it's like a dance kind of thing you know with three guys you have three guys doing the same sets of cue cards and they're all moving we're all moving at the same exact time they said it was just fascinating to watch and two-card guys are been in sketches and it's just part of the show and i think i think it's really from saturday night live where they kind of gotten this lore and this coolness about them you know
0: yeah i mean i i definitely i've mentioned this to you, like uh, by message and stuff that like i have a little collection of them just i used to produce uh, for ask this old house the pbs show and uh-huh. we we went on uh, late night when it was jimmy fallon hosting and then later on the tonight show and that was something that just, like, after every appearance, I was like, can I get a card from that? And, like, one of the prop people would walk me back to where the card guys sit. And they'd be like, hey, this guy's from this old house. Can he grab one of the cards? And they would hand me sometimes a whole stack of them. <laughs> so I have I, I have five or six that I've saved. I try to get one from every appearance. And just, like, yeah, I think for me it was like I would see them sometime when they would profile, you know, some of the cast or so. Like, people would have them in their offices, too. And stuff. it was just, to me, there was something about... It it felt like a thing comedians had that like ooh I I want yes. one of those on my wall you know it just it, yeah it's it's part of the whole thing
1: yeah but a lot of the um, new writers will take if they get a sketch on like their first sketch they'll take a whole the whole set of cards yeah and, ke- and keep them um Bobby Moynihan when he started on SNL when I came up to me to introduce himself his first day. And he was like, um, he's like, I know who you are, Wally. He's like, I've, ha- I've had one of your cue cards on my apartment wall for three years. Wow. And every sketch I get for the next couple of years, I'm taking from you. <laughs> and he took, he's got a good, he's got, like, I think he's got a storage unit filled with cue cards of his sketches. Because He got a lot of sketches on and a lot of cool things on. He could take cool sketches for like the first two or three seasons because he's such wow. a huge fan of the show. He's got him somewhere in a sword unit now he's married and he's got a kid maybe two kids I think one or I think I don't know if he's got two but I know those key cards are probably not gonna last very long because <laughs> I'm sure they're gonna be like we need room we've got baby stuff you know yeah, we exactly. can't have anywhere but yeah so he, it's like you know just people fans of the show. It's such a cool thing to have in, you know, you, you can't buy them. I can't sell them from the show. You know, right. like I can't sell you. We can give them away to the writers or the actors. And when a host comes in, it's their first time. I'll put a package together, like their monologue in like two or three cards from every sketch. And I'll send it to them. And oh, it's, nice. it's just a cool, it's a cool keepsake for them to have, whether they give them to friends or they put them somewhere or, or they take a couple and then throw the other ones away. It's just a cool thing to remember you know, the, your hosting time and what, you know, what that whole process was. So I think it's just, it's just a part of the show and it's a cool aspect of the show.
0: Sure. Did you find out, I, I've got to ask just with, with that card that Bobby had for three years before he was a cast member, like, do you know what it was or where he got it? Or
1: now I have no idea. Like, you know, he had friends, um, when he was at UCB theater, I think before he got hired at SNL. So he had friends that were working at SNL writers yeah. and stuff. So I'm sure he got it through one of the writer, whatever's writer friends and stuff.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's so funny to me that like, I guess in part because like for people like me that are fans and that, you know, treasure these, you know, I've, like I said, I got five or six of them, but like you go through thousands a week and like they they get reused or recycled or, you know, like they, they are both like very, very precious and very very disposable at the same time
1: right no exactly like they're they're comedy one week they're great comedy one week and then they're just used to catch paint the following (laughs) week. i had an idea years ago and and so many people have written to me and said hey you should sell them for charity and sell them online for charity and 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 raise money and give the money away and i did uh, I, You know, I, I thought that was a great idea. And I thought, you know, I could put like, you know, 10 cards from each catch every week and we could do something. I brought it to the producers and they were like, it is, it's a great idea and it would be really cool. He's like, but there's a lot more than just getting the cards and selling them, you'd have to start a foundation and then you're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to be really be checked on like all the money coming in and stuff like that. And they were like, it's not an easy thing to do. So um, I was like, okay, I'm going to take your advice. (laughs) I'm going to put that idea in the pocket. And if you guys ever want to do something with it? I'd be happy to help with it. But yeah, they they were like, there's a lot more than goes into just putting them online, grabbing money and giving it away, you know?
0: Right. Right. I'm really curious too. I feel like part of what makes them, so iconic is just the way that they're written and kind of the font and the colors and like, talk to me a little bit about that of just sort of the mechanics of actually writing out a cue card.
1: You know, when you say writing, it's not really writing. We print the cue cards because you're you're more drawing than you are writing. The pens are bigger than a regular pen. Yeah. When you write with a pen, you move your fingers. Mm. But when you're using the markers we use, you're, you're kind of moving your whole hand. So you're drawing the letters. You're not you're not printing them.
2: Okay. I mean I mean you're,
1: you're not writing them. You're printing them. Yeah. It's all capitalized. Every letter's capitalized. It's block capitalized letters, and we just have a way of training everybody so that when you're trained after what it, some people it's two days, some people it's a week, some people it's a month before their <laughs> t- before their printing gets good. But it's we just if you train people the same way and it does how to draw the letters, there's certain ways you draw. You go up and down or down and up on certain on certain ones. Um, it all looks the same. Now, like I'll have people come and say, how is your writing? Everyone's writing look the same. I, it looks all different. Like I can tell whose card is who. Like I can tell who's writing it is by looking at it. Really. But to the untrained eye, it mostly looks the same. Yeah. I don't know there's something special about it, the way it looks on the cardboard.
0: Yeah, and, and there is something too just like uh, as I'm looking at these cards here in front of me, like the A's are kind of rounded, they're not like a triangular A and kind of the same right. like M's and W's that like it almost reminds me of like when you'd look at old blueprints like before um computerized drawings and stuff and like everything looked like it was done, you know, like by a computer or something, but it was an architect sitting there with a pencil. And there's like an architect font that I I guess you learn in architecture school or, you know, Mm -hmm. comic book writers kind of all write their dialogue in a similar way. I I guess it's just kind of, it's part of the trade, right? That like when you're in cue cards, you learn to, as you say, you can see the difference. But, you know, for the average person, it's all all in a similar way. And you, you have to kind of keep... Uh, somebody can't come in and just do like a triangular a, right? Like it's going to look weird.
1: No, no. We'll be like, that, no, we'll be like, no, that you can't do, you can't do the A that way, yeah. <laughs> do it a different way. Or, or Y they'll do the Y and it'll be like below the line, below a line. And like, no, that's like a lowercase. Y. you you can't do it that way, you know? So yeah. yeah. Uh, but you, you know, you know, you, people, people get it. Yeah. but it's almost like bubble. They're like kind of like bubble letters. Cause right. what you end up the tips of the, 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 the pens we use are flat. So that's what makes it uh, like kind of a you know, bubbly and, and thick.
0: Interesting. In terms of what actually goes on the cards, obviously the dialogue is on there, but sometimes there's stage direction as well. Like how much of that is coming from the writers and how much is just you and your team interpreting what's on a script.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, well, you know, when we get a script for, let's say Saturday night live, we just go by what's on the script because we haven't talked to the writer. We haven't, unless they said, Hey, we want this way on cards. We just kind of interpret it the way the script says.
2: Okay. So
1: we put, yeah, we put all the dialogue on there. And then if there's actions that are happening that, that we, feel like, oh, they're going to want like the actress, like it's it, in the script, if it says, you know, the host stands up and walks to the bar, we'll put stand cross the bar yep. in that. We'll just follow the script the way it is. And then when I block it for the first time, some of those things don't happen because they change the blocking. So we'll take it out or it's in a different spot. So we just cross it off and remove it. Or, the you know the host might say or the an actor might say hey you know can, can you separate those lines I'm having trouble you know like say, saying them I want to say them a different way so you know just in the process of blocking we'll add more things and and uh, or take things out kind of thing anything we can do to help them do the role better and if the writers writers sometimes will say hey we, can you separate just um, there's, there's we want it we want it written this way because it'll help the way they say it or something like that. So yeah, whatever they want, the writer between the writers and the actors, we just, we just do we there these cards are there to help them out. Yeah. I noticed
0: too. it's probably less a, a factor on SNL, but like, you know, for, for Seth Meyers or something like there are times where things are written phonetically as well. Last names and, and things like yes. that in particular, like, is that a judgment call on your part? Is, does that come out of rehearsal and just, you know, the host doesn't know how to say a particular name or like, how, how do you determine when it's phonetic and when it's just, The right spelling
1: yeah that's always told to us because we don't want to assume that like seth doesn't know how to say that that name you know (laughs) (laughs) when we were doing the shows in the studio and we came back and there was no audience you know we could he could do everything phonetically because there was nobody there to see it right but if a guest is there you don't want the guest to see their oh, name spelled correctly right. because it, it, it looks kind of weird. <laughs> so we would do it for the intro, and then you know after after saying it, you know in rehearsal, by that time he he has it down. He knows the pronunciation sure, yeah, yeah. for the most for the most part. You know, so pronunciation is always based on them telling us do it this way or do it that way.
0: Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Um, in yeah. terms of color too, like especially on SNL, I know that different cast members seem to have different colors like does that yeah. does that go by sketch or like is there like a keenan color and a Kate color like how does that work
1: yeah it's a weird there's a hierarchy kind of like you know so the so the host is always in black and they're uh-huh. the only one in black unless they're not unless they're not in, they're not in the sketch so like a lot of times the hosts are not in the cold open yep so since there's only five colors we'll give whoever the main part so if it's um the the new guy James doing um uh Biden then we'll give him black uh just because we, we only have five colors. Yeah. Kate's been on a long time. Keenan was always in red, but Kate's always in red. So Kate, we always will put in red if she's in a sketch with Keenan. Keenan can do green. Keenan's such a pro. He can do green. He can do blue. He doesn't, you know, he knows his lines so yeah. well. It doesn't throw him off. Some people it throws off. Um Cecily's in blue. Yeah, they all have their own colors, but again, it's if, if they only have a couple lines in a sketch, then we'll defer the blue to somebody else. That has a bigger part kind of thing, you know what I mean, yeah, so if Cecily's always in blue, but she only has one line in one sketch, you might put her in blue with her name in front of it, but we'll put somebody else in blue as well, um you know that would be the main person in it, so it just depends how big of a part it is sometimes and if they have trouble seeing other uh colors
0: yeah and if if there are you know eight or ten people in a sketch, are you writing their name before each line then so like if there's two yeah. blues, for example, okay, gotcha.
1: Everybody, yeah. Basically, yeah. So, you yeah. know, So, like a lot of those cold opens where there's a lot of people in it. If everyone's like on camera, like or in the same room and talking, yeah, you have to write everyone's name before their line.
0: Yeah. How do uh, how do colors work on Update? Where there's like kind of two people that are both <laughs> the the hosts, so to speak. They both could be
1: black in theory. Uh, Collins in black because I think he, he was on Update before Chase. Right. He was with I think he was with Cecily for a year. Oh, did he do it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Right. Okay. Yep. And I think he was, and Accessory was blue. So Colin was black. So Colin was always black. And then we gave, so Michael's blue. And then anybody that comes on and does a feature, they're just red or green. Gotcha. So say the host, sometimes the host comes on and does a feature, like Mulaney will come on and do a feature when he's hosting. He's black and column. will go to green, and we'll just remind him and say, "Hey, don't don't forget, you're not you're not black in this sketch. You're green." And is
0: it just for that, like just for that cameo, or is yes. it like okay? Yes. So the rest of the just, time, just for that
1: cameo. Gotcha. Interesting. So they're just going to be on top of it, and, so, and, and, and we might put his name in front of the green lines just to remind him, just to help him, because you know you're used to reading black, and then all of a sudden you're, you're supposed to read green. It's kind of off-putting, you know. And sure. you're on live TV, and it's a little weird. So I think we might put his name on it when that happens.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, too, we've been talking about kind of the making of the cards, but then there's, as you were talking about before, kind of a whole ballet to actually holding the cards and, you know, yeah. passing the cards off camera and things like just I'm really curious about just the mechanics of it. Like, are, is everything a two handed hold? Do you, are you able to balance with one and flip with it? Like, how do you actually hold the cards?
1: Yeah, it's hard to describe over, you know, over a podcast. Sure. <laughs> but but um, it's all timing and yeah there is balance there is a lot of balance there's different ways we do it so if someone's reading right the camera so like they're reading update jokes yeah um that i have the cards balanced in my left hand almost resting on the camera and we're over the camera yeah so i and then i'm just pulling with my right hand i'm pulling one card at a time yeah so you he's so colin's only seeing one card and then when it gets to like the third or fourth the last word on the card i'm pulling it because those words are already in in his head when you're you know when you're reading this is the only way like two cards really works with timing. You can pull you can pull a card and it's still got three words on it. He continues reading even though that card's gone. And mm. then, then the next card the next card is there. That's why that's how that's why it's really interesting in timing. Yeah. Because if you pull it too soon, then they're not going to see those last couple words. If you pull it too late, he's not going to see the words coming up. So right. it's it's really, really timing. Every single card has to be timed perfectly. We call that pulling, and then we call it doubling where you would hold two cards up at the same time, one underneath the other one. So one balancing in your left hand, and then one, uh, like the whole set balancing in your left hand, and then one card in your right hand above it. And they read they read up from up to down. So as they read that top card, and they finish that top card, you you pull it behind you and you put the other ones up, and then you grab another one and then you drop it down. If you can understand you understand yeah. that, and then you pull it up. If you, there's a video um, uh, behind the scenes of SNL, where they did about the cue card, uh, book two cards in SNL. you wanted to go watch that. It kind of shows, we kind of show the different ways we hold it. It's pretty good.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's wild. And just kind of to figure out that whole rhythm and get that down. And as you say, it's not just you, you've got a whole team. Like when you bring new people in, what's, (laughs) what's kind of the training period? Like how long is somebody still an apprentice?
1: No, COVID really screwed up my whole system. Because really we would bring people in and the first thing we do is we have them start writing some cards because your printing has to be neat to work on a show. So, sure. so we just see kind of where they, where they are. We give them some instruction and then we see where they are after like an hour of printing. And while they're doing that, we're kind of chatting with them because you're sitting for sometimes 13, 14 hours in a day printing cards you don't want an asshole sitting next to
2: you, sure, yeah.
1: yes, or someone you don't like. So we're looking at the personality. I'm looking at the personality. See if they fit in with everybody else. And then we look at their handwriting. Then, then, then we're good. Then I hire, then I hire them. There, you know, they're not really apprenticing, but as long we just got to get their printing up to speed. I mean, if, if I tell them, if your printing doesn't get any neater. Or you know we can't use in the show, then I can't use you,
2: right. but
1: usually, if I'm letting them stay, I see, I, I see it's pretty neat already, and then you know we can fine-tune it and we can get it good. Um, Pre COVID, um, we were all on the eighth floor, and um, I would slowly like teach people how to hold, and maybe if there was like a sketch that had one or two cards that you know needed to be like a little side set, I'd give a new person that. I'd kind of walk over and I'd show them how to do it, and I'd work them in very slowly. You know, and then if someone I saw somebody, oh, they're good, they've been practicing, they're good, then I might give them like five cards on something or, you know, maybe, you know, a side set on Seth, I bring them in a Seth or Fallon um, and just test them out there and see if they handle that pressure well and see if they're okay with doing that. then so then so then eventually i give them you know more more cards and more cards and then they get to be holding pretty well and then i can send them out on jobs i get because i get calls for other shows you know like that are traveling like show comes in or show goes to dc and dq cards and i can send one of the younger guys down there um because i don't have the time to do it anymore sure now with covid we were only allowed to have three people in the studio for snl at any time and all my guys are on a different floor first they were on the third floor then they came up to the seventh floor now they're back on the second floor so all these new people that i've hired and that are working for me have never held cards because they're not allowed in the studio to hold cards so it's just me um and two other guys that hold all the sketches and it used to be i would give everybody like two or three sketches to hold in each show so i could build i could build up that strength it's a good business so i'm building up better two-card people you know i'm not able to do that anymore and it and it's really hurting me because I, I don't have, I have people that have worked with me for like two years since COVID started a little before COVID that have never held cards or maybe have only held one or two cards on sets. You know it's bad for it's bad for my business because I can't I don't have as many guys that I can send out on uh, separate jobs. You know, so I'm hoping that'll change next year where I can give everybody like you know little things and start teaching them how to hold. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, part of it I guess is just like you said the physical space issue and like if you only get three people in the studio. You're not going to be rotating those people in, but then also just you, you need your, your top three people because you can't have somebody new in there. Like there, there's less opportunity to bring them in to even just try something. Right.
1: I can't bring a new guy in and have them hold 10 sketches, you know, 11 sketches on a Saturday. They've never held before. I can't, no, that's just not going to, it's not going to work. Yeah. No, totally.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, kind of two questions. I want to ask about your history, but I also am curious, since we're talking about, you know, the people that work for you, you know, like as a kid, you watch, you know, behind the scenes things or whatever, and you mostly hear about producers or directors or camera operators, but like, there's, there's just so many other jobs when you get onto a set, like for the people that you hire, where are they coming from? And, you know, what do they hope to get out of it? And I guess maybe talk to me about yourself too, in your own experience or kind of how you got into this business.
1: I wanted to be a writer. I went to Syracuse and I majored in writing for TV and film. Uh And I wanted to write for TV and I wanted to write movies. So um, my brother got me an interview, like three years out of college, uh, said they were hiring cue card people. And he recommended me even though he knew I had really bad handwriting.
0: (laughs) Because he's a comedy writer as well, right? Your brother?
1: Yeah, yes, Mike And Yeah, he's got his own podcast. He's producing a movie with Jerry Seinfeld right now for Netflix. So yes, yeah, so, but so he he was he was a receptionist, and he was just I think he was just maybe he'd just been hired in the Letterman show, or getting close to being hired in the Letterman show. And um, he got me an interview, and I just I was like, I'm going to do this to get my foot in the door, and I'm going to hopefully make some connections to write, and that's what happened. I started. The guy that actually hired me was a low level executive at Nickelodeon. I started writing. He got me, he started writing for the show called Wienerville. That was oh, sure. Mark yeah, Wiener. yeah. 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 I wrote, I wrote three episodes of that. And then I wrote an episode of space Coast coast to coast. And I started getting, making connections. And I wrote for celebrity Deathmatch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a, as a hired writer. And uh, I was just writing like little things like here and there never, not enough to pay the rent. So I kept on doing cue cards and I started getting better and better at cue cards within three years. I was running it and, you know, I was writing jokes for weekend update, so I was keeping me in the writing thing, but I just uh, kept kept on getting better and better at cue cards and more and more ensconced in that life and the show, you know, really needing me, you know, not letting me want to go kind of thing. So sure I kind of put the writing to the side and, you know, started my own company in two thousand four with the help of my wife and, uh, you know, didn't look, never looked back. You know, I had an instant company in um, 2004. We, get, we were, I was working for somebody else and we we're getting kind of treated. We were had paychecks for bouncing and they weren't paying their bills. So we weren't getting supplies. It was a sign of like, you need to do something or, you know, you just need to get out of here because people are going to leave. So anyway, but right. beside the point. So, so that's why I took the job. This, You know, I try to tell people that I hire and I got a lot of young people and I've got people middle-aged that have been working. Some people were working with me for 20 years, some for 10 and some just started. Cards, you don't want to do cue cards your whole life. Two cards is not, you're not going to, you know, you're only going to go a certain far and who knows how long they're going to be around for yeah. really, you know? So um, it's a lot of people trying to do other things in the business and I'm trying to help them uh, accomplish that goal. You know, I've got a lot of a couple guys that uh, grew up with my uh, with my boys in the, that are college graduates and they want to be writers and actors. And I needed people, so I hired them. And you know, they're making contacts like I used to do. And they're you're meeting people at the parties. And they're they're talking. And they're making connections. And I try to do everything I can to facilitate that stuff. Um, so mostly it's people that I hire. It's recommended from somebody else or it's somebody that I know that they'll, they'll say, hey, this guy's cool. He'll fit in with us. You know, I think he'll be, I'll think he'll be a good employee. So we'll bring him in. And, and that's usually a good case. I've hired I have one girl working through right now that I hired, she emailed me uh, blindly. I didn't know her and I was kind of desperate for a person and I was like, I'm gonna take a chance. And I told her when she came in, I was like, you know, I don't usually hire people this way. So, you know, you're on you're on double secret probation. <laughs> you know, I'm keeping eye, I'm keeping an eye on you because you don't know how they're gonna act around celebrities. And you know, sure. and you just you know, you going to you know be worried. But she's been great. She's been with me for two years. She was like, I'm doing some I'm doing some gardening for um, a billionaire in Connecticut. And um I have these days off and I could work and I was like, All right, come on in and I met her and she was nice and so, like I said, she's she's doing some really good work for me now. And then I didn't even realize she was working for Martha Stewart. <laughs> and she just told me that. And she you just told me you were working for Martin Stewart. I would be like, oh, fine. If you can work for Mother yeah. Stewart, you, you can handle it here. You well, when you say a billionaire in
0: Connecticut and doing gardening, I was trying to do the math and I'm like, there can't be yeah. that many. So.
1: I know. I didn't really think of it because she didn't say it. I, I, I thought it was just a random billionaire. Right. And then I, I saw it was Martha Stewart. And I was like, oh, if you had just told me you had been working for Martha Stewart, I would be like, okay, if you can handle Martin Stewart, right. you can work you can work here. So, So, yeah. So I'm just trying to help people and she's an artist. And she's trying to, you know, uh, do our stuff. But there's people like writers on the show that draw cartoons and she draws cartoons and does these books. And I was just like, yeah, come to the parties. Uh, I'll introduce to them. They just started having the parties again. They didn't have those. So, again, that was another thing. These people started working for me. And there was no outlet to really meet people and, you know, introduce people, introduce yourself and make friends and stuff. So they started having the parties again. So I'm bringing these young people to the party. I'm introducing the people. I love doing that stuff. And I love talking to young people and giving them advice. You know, my kids are both in college and their friends are graduating and they call me and I, you know, they want to do something like this. And I just give them advice. And, you know, that's the fun part of this. This is, the, you know, I love giving back. To people trying to make it in this business because there's a lot of jerks in this business but there's sure. a lot of cool people and if you're nice to people and you help them out and all i tell them is like look i don't need any thanks when you get in a position to help somebody younger make sure you help them out you
0: i know? love that and yeah. i love too just that story like the power of a random email too <laughs> like yeah it's, yeah you know take that chance and just you know send that email and who knows where it's going to go yeah
1: I'm, i've gotten a lot of them so you know it has to come at the right time. If I need somebody, you know, so maybe really don't don't email right
0: you, time.
1: but but email those other people. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> mind. I don't mind getting an email. You know, like, but I, what I'll do is I'll you know, I'll Facetime sometimes. You know, and then I'll talk to the person, and and I'll be like, oh no, yeah, you wouldn't be good. you wouldn't be good here. So I'll be like, thanks for you know, I'll keep you in mind if I need you know. But I get a lot. Of, I get a lot of emails. Like, yeah. And, uh, you yeah, know, it is what it is, but yeah, I love, I love helping people. And I love, I love that. Cause like my, my, my my boys are going to be going into the business and I want people to be nice to them. Hopefully. Yeah. You
0: know, you, you want to be the person that, that they end up working for that type of person someday.
1: Exactly. Exactly. No, that's exactly. great.
0: I, I want to ask, too, just we've been talking about um, kind of the mechanics of, of the cue card job, but there is a whole nother piece that, you know, in the last couple of years has become part of your public persona. And that's kind of these cameos that you've been doing on late night. And I, I'm just curious sort of how those evolved and like just your reaction to being you know, in a closer look or in the monologue and, you know, becoming really uh, one of the stable of characters on on uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, <laughs> you know, because I was an, I was an actor in high school, and but I I always wanted to be a writer. I didn't want to be an actor, but you know, most comedy writers want to be on camera as well. Sure. That really wasn't my thing. I liked acting, and I liked I liked that applause, but I really enjoyed writing. I, I was in SNL a lot, you know, and the, over the years, and um, but never enough to have to join SAG. And then when Seth started, and I was on Carson Daily again, never enough to join SAG. And then Seth started, and I was started. They, the writers started putting me in sketches. This is before things got crazy with Trump and stuff like that. And I was yeah. on a decent, I was on a decent amount enough so that SAG was like, "That guy's gonna join, or he can't be on your show anymore." Yeah. So they, they made me join, which is uh, which is a great thing because um, I knew things that I had been on on Saturday Night Live had been repeated, and I hadn't gotten paid for it. Yeah. So I knew it was some that money was somewhere. So when I joined, I had I I think I had to pay thirty five hundred dollars to join. They I said, Hey, you know, I wasn't getting residuals on stuff I was on. And they were like, Oh yeah, if you weren't a member, we would put that into a trust for when you if you ever did join. I was like, So do I have a trust there? And they're like, Yes you do. I go, How much is it there? Ten thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> so, so I had I had money accumulating over like twenty years for me, which was great. So I ended up making money. That's but great. um yeah I don't know what happened. You know, I was, I was never in closer looks and closer Look for three days a week. And I, so I started getting way, way less screen time. And then Sal Gentile, who writes closer look, you know, with Seth, he writes the first draft and then Seth and him work on it. They put me in one night and it went over really well. And then the next thing I know, you know, I'm in it twice a week, sometimes three times a week. And then, you know, Amber Ruffin started her show and I'm on that show. Um, they're putting me in things and um, it's, Just turned into this crazy, crazy thing where I so my my ego gets stroked a lot because you know a lot of the uh, people that come in to uh, guest on the show like I'll see them and I know them from SNL and they'll say hey you're getting a lot of screen time you're pretty you know you you, or your or your acting is getting pretty good you know you're getting much much better on screen I'm like oh well thank you (laughs) so much so that last night Matthew Broderick was on the show, Uh show yeah. And um he did a segment and then he went off screen and um I went over to get the next segment and um the segment producer was holding his Matthew Barrett's key card and he was like, Um, Matthew needs you can ask if you can autograph his key card for him. (laughs) And I was like, Excuse me? And he was like, Well, it's a lot I go, come on, let's go back. So I went back and he started he's like, Oh, Wally. (laughs) He was like, What Wally? He was like, Sarah and I are really big fans of the show and we really think you're really funny. But We have a friend, we have this woman, Janine, I forget what her name was, who loves you. And she asked if I could get you to sign a cue card for her. That's <laughs> She's great. like, she was gonna flip out that we're getting this card. She's like, she didn't care if Seth signed it. She wanted you to she wanted <laughs> you to sign it. <laughs> she was but like, just Matthew Broderick saying Sarah and I are big like really think you're funny on the show. Just yeah. friggin' blew my mind. That's crazy. Just blew my mind because I'm getting a lot of like notice, uh, like when in the building and stuff like that, and people sure. notice me and stuff like that around NBC, but. Like, I, you just don't realize who's watching, you know, these shows. And I guess, you know, I guess celebrities watch it just like normal people watch it. You know, yeah. uh, Jesse Plemons came on and he saw me and he stopped me. And he was like, you know, you're really funny on this show. <laughs> and I was like going, God damn, thank you so much, man. I, you, you're a really good actor. For you to say that, I really appreciate that. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like it's wild, too, because like in the old late night, de- you know, like going back to, to Conan or, or even Fallon, like. If you weren't up at like one in the morning, you might not see it. But now, yes. like a closer look, is just like it goes viral. You know, every week those segments are getting shared around and they're on social media and YouTube. But like, there, there's just so much more exposure that you don't you don't necessarily have to be watching NBC late no. at night to see it now. You know, whereas like twenty years ago, you did.
1: No, you're right. And like closer looks out now. Like so, they release it at nine o'clock. They release closer look at nine. Yeah. So it you know by by ten. It's probably got half a million, almost a million views, you know, um, and yeah, people are sharing it and people are seeing it. And, then, yeah, you don't have to stay up till twelve thirty, one o'clock, one thirty to, to see it. Yeah. You know, it's pretty smart. It's a pretty smart thing that they do.
0: Yeah. I want to end just kind of on a big picture note. And that's just kind of uh, I don't know. To me, I feel like when I look at the the landscape of late night comedy now, there's people from the Lauren Michaels camp, uh, like Jimmy and Seth, and you know even Conan, who you know he yeah. just quit his show a few a few months ago here. But like, there's kind of that group that came out of the SNL Lauren Michaels world, and then there's like the John Stewart world of you know Colbert and and John Oliver, Sam B, people like that. And the people that come from the Daily Show, I feel like, are mostly or almost entirely prompter people. And the people yes. that come from from the Lauren world are almost exclusively cards, right? Yep. Like, I I just wonder, sort of, we were talking about, you know, if cue cards stay around and that sort of thing, like, I feel like there is this whole different generation now that is coming up with them. And like, it is this weird throwback to (laughs) the beginning of television, but it's also still relevant. Like, just, I don't know, I'm curious, I guess, just why you think it is that, like, you know, Seth or Jimmy still want to use cards over a prompter and why they endure.
1: Well, for Seth and Jimmy and you know you know Conan still used them as well. Um, it's just what they're used to. You know, they, they they started in SNL and all they knew were cue cards. There were no prompters anywhere around. Yeah. So that's all they knew. And then the Daily Show guys and those guys, they're talking right to camera. Yeah. So you don't you know you don't need cue cards. The prompter is the best thing for them and they get used to that. It's just they, I think they're missing out. Like I when, when Colbert got his, his CBS show took over for Letterman, I tried to set up a meeting to go in there and just talk to him about cue cards and see if he wanted to consider cue cards. And he wouldn't, they wouldn't even take the meeting hmm. with, with me. And I just, you know, think like they're missing out. Like you're missing out on a chance to, to, to do comedy or something goes wrong. You have someone that talks There's a face, to the cue cards, whereas there's no face in the prompter prompter guy could be in a different state. It could be in a sure. different country doing, doing prompter. You know, you don't have that connection. Um, with cue cards, like that's the thing that was set, and and I think, you know, me being on camera so much really happened when we went back to the studio and there was no audience and there was no band (laughs) i was the only it was me it was me in the in the cards you know there were other people around but i i'm i was right there in front of them. so there was that playful thing like let's play with wally like let's make a comment about wally let's wally screwed up on a word let's call wally out on that you know kind of thing (laughs) and you know i think those other shows miss out on that but maybe that's just not you know what they're you know what they're what they do it's not part of their show but i think it could have been you know because it's a fun ass it's a really cool fun aspect of it but um Seth makes the most of it, and Jimmy does sometimes too, and um, you know, SNL surely does. As I think we'll be around I, you know, as long as these guys want to continue doing the show. You know, It could be dying down after a certain while. I, I hope it's not. I hope it doesn't. I hope it stays around for a while so that maybe if my kids want to go into it or take it over at some point, it'll be there for them. But um, I'm going to ride it out for as long as my body uh, stays together to do them, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and even after that, you can still be the boss. You can still train people, even if you're not holding, I'm sure. Right? I'm going to so... be a
1: consultant. It's already my it's already my plan. When my body breaks down, I can't hold them anymore. I'm going to have the shows pay me as a consultant, and I'll be hang around a set. Maybe, with a, you know, maybe they'll let cigars back in. I'll smoke a cigar and I'll, you know, walk around and just give orders. And then I'll go and have a drink and sit in my easy chair and watch the, watch the, <laughs> the rehearse. But yeah, that's the plan. That's the, that's the retirement plan.
0: All right. Wally Ferriston there. Of course, you can see him, as he said, on Late Night with Seth Meyers, the Amber Ruffin show on Peacock. He's on Saturday Night Live every single week. I think he said he'd missed like one show in the 30 year run. That he's been there. So, any sketch you can think of, any iconic, you know, more cowbell or whatever, he's been there for all of it. He was standing, you know, six feet away from all those guys on stage when it happened, which is pretty wild. I could have probably talked to him about some of that stuff for another two hours. But yeah, I was interested in the craft. It was interesting to me. If you'd like a personalized cue card from Wally, go to cuecardsbywally.com. Give him your information. He will make something awesome for you, and I'm sure it will be memorable for the comedy fan, or the show business fan, or the NBC fan, or the whatever fan, the Wally fan, in your life. And as a reminder, I have my newsletter going out every week right now. It has recaps of the interviews here on the podcast every other week, but then also just some of my big thoughts about the time we're living in and how we're rethinking home and work and family, food, travel, all of it. I'd love for you to sign up. Go to HeathRacella.com slash newsletter and enter your email address there. I have new podcasts every other week these days. Hit subscribe to be the first one to have it in your feed. And of course, follow along with me on social media. I am at Heathrissella on Twitter and Instagram. As I am recovering, I say this with all my heart to all of you. Please stay safe.